there is one video where the words are not included as part of the video. That one is the final hymn. Um, so if you have a copy of Voices Together, uh, at that point, I'll let you know which number the hymn is if you want to be looking at it in, in the hymnal. Or if you happen to, if you were one of the lucky ones and got the order of service, um, then I printed out the words in, within the order of service as well. So at this point, I am going to start sharing my screen. Welcome to worship at Milwaukee Mennonite Church, Zoom version, on this first Sunday of the Christmas season. During Advent, our theme has been Dare to Imagine. And today we continue that theme with this invitation, Dare to Imagine God's Robe. Images of robes appear in the lectionary text for today in both actual and metaphorical ways. In the first Samuel text, we see Hannah stitching a new robe each year for her son Samuel and bringing it to him as he grew up in the temple. In the Colossians text, we hear Paul's instructions to clothe ourselves with virtues such as compassion and humility. And throughout the service today, we continue to remember how God draws near to us dressed in human form as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. So as we draw near to God in worship, I invite you into the call to worship. This has been adapted from Psalm 148, which is also one of the lectionary readings for today. Praise God from the heavens and in the heights. Praise God, sun and moon, and all you shining stars. Praise God from the earth and in the depths of the oceans. Praise God, mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars. Praise God, all animals, creeping insects, and flying birds. Let all of creation praise our faithful God. We are going to continue this praise now with the hymn, For the Beauty of the Earth. Uh, please, if you wish to sing along, uh, mute yourselves and feel free to sing along. The words and music will be appearing on the screen.
having drawn near to God, we also are entering into a part of the service in which we recognize how God draws near to us. We've just been praising our creator God and reflecting on the splendors of creation. Yet every day we're reminded how fragile and damaged our world is, and we are. And this awareness calls us to acknowledge how much we need God's near presence to heal, forgive, and restore us. Advent and Christmas are a time to reflect on and celebrate the astonishing ways that God draws near to us. In the midst of winter darkness, we see the injustice in our world and the many causes for despair. And we light the Advent candle of hope, daring to imagine the coming of God's righteous goodness and justice. We see how our world is torn by war and violence. And we light the Advent candle of peace, daring to imagine that God's embrace is wider than all our divisions and fears. We see and we grieve so many deaths and losses from a still ongoing pandemic. And yet we light the advent candle of joy, daring to imagine that God is still singing over us and giving us reasons to sing. We see around us sharp divides of us and them. And we too are tempted to close ourselves off in self-protection. And still, we light the advent candle of love, daring to imagine how God lifts up the lowly and calls us to meet fear with compassion. And today we light the Christ candle and we welcome new life, daring to imagine that we are God's wonders, blessed wonders, called to carry this precious light into our daily lives. Let me put in front of us a prayer of confession. And I will invite those of you who wish to unmute yourselves and read along with me. I recognize in Zoom that reading together, there's sometimes a bit of echo. It may be a little jagged, but for a prayer of confession, that seems rather appropriate. Please pray with me. God, we bring to you our own brokenness and the brokenness of our world. 
We, we trust you to, to take, take these fragments, jagged edges, and pain, and, and to bring forgiveness and restoration in ways not yet imagined. We're going to follow this with a song of assurance. And so now we can all mute ourselves again. And those of you who wish to, please do sing along. Children, this is children's time. Um, child, children at heart and children by definition, the usual one. Feel free to um, make sure that your cameras are on so you can see one another. Had some fun this week pulling poems from this book called Out of Wonder. Here's the front of it. It's just got these glorious bright pictures in it and poems. So feel free to grab a pencil and paper or marker or pen if you like um, to draw things you imagine. To get our imaginations warmed up, I'm gonna read 
How Billy Collins Writes a Poem. And it's written by Marjorie Wentworth. When you first wake up, notice your mother's voice calling you to breakfast. Sounds like that her voice calling you to breakfast sounds like a fire alarm. Watch the steam rising off your oatmeal like tiny clouds and guess where it goes. Pay attention to the smallest things, a fly buzzing near the kitchen window, bright rocks in the driveway, the handful of marbles in your pocket, the sound they make when you walk. Imagine that the leaves spinning in the wind on the walk to school are alien ships and that barking dogs belong to a prince. At night, when the stars seem close, reach up and grab some. Our lives are made from these things. And when you describe them, you discover magic. It's the way your pen becomes a wand in your hand. And this may be the only thing you need to know. I have been so tremendously blessed to get to work with children as a, uh, cause I'm a teacher and I've been working with kids as a teacher for 21 years now. Children fascinate and challenge me in really important ways. Childhood is an especially imaginative time in life. Imagination is necessary for making what's good a true part of our life's choices and reality. I want you to use your beautiful, flexible young brains to imagine something truly good, necessary, and special. Close your eyes or keep them open and draw this, feel free. Imagine a person clothed in the love of God. Maybe this is their body language, what they're doing with their body, their facial expression, the fabric of the cloth they wear. What sorts of things does this person do, say, think about? I'll give you some time to think about that. Does anybody have some ideas that they either wrote down or pictured in your mind's eye, the eyes we keep in our brains? What does being clothed in God's love look like? It's okay if you don't want to share what you're, what you're picturing in your mind. Sometimes it could be textures. Sometimes it's hard to piece it together. But being clothed in God's love has more to do more. It's more than what you're wearing, right? It's how you move. It's what you say. It's what you choose for yourself and for others. I'll finish here by reading another poem. I got real into this this week. You're gonna hear some more today, just so you know. Um, 
and it's called Loving the World and Everything in It. And this poem celebrates Mary Oliver. It celebrates Mary Oliver, and it, but it's written by Marjorie Wentworth. And if you haven't noticed, the pictures correspond with the poems. That's what the picture is in this book that I'm reading from. Each day I walk out onto the damp grass before the sun has spoken, because I love the world and the miracle of morning. I love to stand beside the old oak trees beneath a symphony of birdsong and listen to every perfect note. While the wind passes around me like a warm sea, sometimes a feather drifts down into my hands. I hold it and imagine flying. Imagine, imagination adds a depth to the wonder and awe of all that is. Allow it, enjoy it. It could be our salvation. Mandy, thanks so much for that children's time. I often think that uh, children's times are as much for adults as they are. They're really for all of us. So thank you. Let me put onto the screen the scripture texts for today, the two of the lectionary texts that we're going to hear. So I'll ask the first reader, please, uh, to read Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Um, as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe themselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. Luke 2, 41 through 52. Now every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Bethlehem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Thank you for reading. So for those of you that have done this reflection giving thing, like this whole reflection giving thing that I'm doing right now, thank you. Preparing this for me at least was way harder than worship leading. <laughs> it's tricky to find words and ideas that they're helpful, intelligible, and fit together. I've tried, tried to do this. All I ask is that you keep your expectations low so that I don't disappoint. <laughs> Before I begin, please say the Our Father with me. We'll use the word sins at that one part. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. So I put some pictures up here. If it's distracting to you, you can pin my face if you listen better looking at people's faces, or you can keep us the picture and I together. When Jesus chose to leave his mother's side in order to remain behind and learn from and with the wider Jewish community at the temple, he surprised and impressed the grown-ups. He is described as interacting with teachers at the temple thoughtfully by listening, asking, and answering questions. At the end of this particular story, Jesus's ongoing spiritual and intellectual development as a person of God is described in these words. Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Just as Jesus continually grew in wisdom after that memorable day at the temple, there is an increase in ourselves as we purposely, willingly grow and mature in our faithful understanding and, de and decisions. Speaking of growth and temples, in 1 Samuel chapter two, there is a very brief mention of Samuel's mother's yearly pilgrimage to Shiloh when she would bring a new robe for Samuel to wear as he grew. 
It is important to note that this takes place after the emotional journey of chapter one, where we wait and suffer with Samuel's mother as she remains barren for what sounds like an uncomfortably long period of time. After she is eventually given the glorious gift of Samuel, she promptly gives him up after he's weaned, probably about age three or four, to serve at the temple as an act of praise and thanks to God. As I've gone over the lectionary texts for this week, this piece of Samuel's story has revisited my thoughts over and over. I know it's ironic as someone slowly, hopefully slowly, and permanently losing vision myself, but I am a very visual person. The image in my mind of Hannah, Samuel's mother, sewing larger and larger robes each year, lovingly, thoughtfully, prayerfully pushing and pulling each stitch, quickly became a significant centerpiece for the message this week. There is indeed this type of increase as we grow in our faith. Understanding and love for God and one another. It is as if we are wearing robes of ourselves, of virtued godliness, learning and experiencing the distinctions between believing and discipleship. Periodically, God, our other mother, wishes for us to shed our old robe and put on a new, more roomy shield for our most vulnerable personal parts. We may have to adjust to stiff new fabric that hangs loose or just differently than what we've gotten used to. We may have to move toward going someplace, committing to some action, making new connections that truly allow room for our value-driven spiritual selves to grow. In Paul's letter to Colossians, he mentions that this clothing should take the form of patience, kindness, compassion, love, and meekness. Nature is a great teacher of all these virtues. Alongside water and sunlight, the sustainer of life in nature is the soil, the hummus, the root word of humility. According to Joan Chittister, when I am exhibiting humility, I am vulnerable. I am naked and known. I am authentic. Expecting perfection from yourself or others is a form of wearying pride. It is a healing discipline to let go of our control and let God work on us, change us, build us. It is freeing to acknowledge our weaknesses we must learn to allow our humiliations to become, to become humility, not shame. Remember that humility's word origin is from hummus or earth. And that as Joan Chittister says, we must commit ourselves to not running away from the growth moments in life. We fall and we get up. We fall and we get up. We never arrive. We are always arriving. Humility is a vulnerable opening towards deeper, dearer connection with God. Let my will be God's will. Just as the rose nourished by the hummus speaks and pays attention 
in this Mary Oliver poem. As, I, as long as we are able to be extravagant, we will be hugely and damply extravagant. Then we will drop foil by foil to the ground. This is our unalterable task and we do it joyfully. Their fragrance all the while rising from their blind bodies, making me spin with joy. Accepting responsibility to our community is another way to practice humility. At Woodlands, where I teach, a group of us have been part of monthly trainings to reinvigorate the character education component of our students' school experience. Alongside this, we are participating in book studies. One of these insight, insight building books is it's called The Culture Code, and it's by Charles Duhigg. Um, he's also the author of the book, The Power of Habit. The question this book seeks to answer is, why do certain groups add up to be greater than the sum of their parts, while others add up to be less? There's an intriguing experiment they describe in this book where groups competed to build the tallest possible structure using 20 pieces of uncooked spaghetti. Yep, that's what those are. One yard of transparent tape, one yard of string, and one standard sized marshmallow that has stand up on top. The fascinating part of the experiment, however, had less to do with the task than with the participants. Some of the teams consisted of business school students. The others consisted of kindergartners. We presume skilled individuals will combine to produce skilled performance in the same way we presume two plus two will combine to produce four. We would be wrong in this case. In dozens of trials, kindergartners build, built structures that averaged 26 inches tall while business school students built structures that averaged less than 10 inches. The result feels like an illusion because our instincts have led us to focus on the wrong details. We focus on what we can see, individual skills. While what really matters is the interaction when creating their structures, the business school students appear to be collaborating, but in fact, they are engaged in a process psychologists call status management. They are figuring out where they fit into the larger picture. Who's in charge? Is it okay to criticize someone's ideas? What are the rules here? Their interactions appear smooth, but their underlying behavior is riddled with inefficiency, hesitation, and subtle competition. Because of this adult tendency, we must beware. Our spiritual robe can be stretched to fit our form, and we can sew on pieces and pockets that suit our aesthetics and desire for carrying things. It can be a real comfort to keep wearing the broken in, stuff-laden robe. So I ask us now, what are our pockets full of? 
why do we carry these things? Is it out of worry, pride, insecurity, a need for surety? We'll sing that lovely song, Solemn Stillness, Weary Streets, at the end of our service today. The lyrics implore us to fling our load down, let the gentle wings unfurl. And I ask us, I ask us again to make a list of the loads we are carrying. What would we have energy or imagination for without them? What if we hand them to God? These pockets and patches that we insist on keeping because of comfort, ambition, even compassion. Is it for you? Is it for others? Does holding this heavy burden change anything for the better? Each spiritual garment we keep longer than necessary can keep us in place where we are familiar, but we must not reject that next robe our mothering God has made for us. Meant to replace what we've already grown into and with room to allow for expansion so that we can continually be able to enlarge our sense of God's vision, God's mission. If worry invades the decision-making process, we must, as her children, trust that God's steadfast love will surround us in that hold you till you're strong enough way. Speaking of children, back to the experiment. Compare the adults inefficient social stumbling to the actions of kindergartners who appear disorganized on the surface, but when you view them as a single entity, their behavior is efficient and effective. They are not competing for status. They stand shoulder to shoulder and work energetically together. They move quickly, spotting problems and offering help. They experiment, take risks, and notice outcomes which guides them toward effective solutions. As we work together, play together, plan together, worship together, move together collectively as a church family in true body of Christ form, we feel a lifting force that allows us to fling our load down and unbend our tired forms. In order to do this humbly, we must compassionately view our own individual choices and hesitancies clearly, while simultaneously viewing one another with mercy, mercy. Similar to the kindergartners in the experiment. When we are needed and known individually and as a church family, there is a flow of faith, hope, and love. We know and acknowledge that we can't do this alone and that we must choose to dare to imagine wearing God's robe as the body of Christ. It seems especially fitting to explore this idea at the time we celebrate the day the body of Christ was first born into this world. When we grow in humble, joyful purpose together in community, we rise. I'll end here with Kwame Alexander's poem, Majestic. And this one celebrates Maya Angelou, who intimately knew the growth-oriented resilience of the human spirit. Rise, 
into the wonder of daybreak. Be a rainbow in the cloud. Be a free bird on the back of the night wind. Shine on, honey. Walk with joy in your golden feet over crystal seas and purpled mountains. Know your beauty is a thunder, your precious heart unsaleable. Be brave like a new seed bursting with extraordinary promise. Shine on, honey. Know you are phenomenal. Mandy, thank you so much for that beautiful reflection. The song that I chose to follow the reflection is actually two songs that fit together. What Child Is This? and Helpless and Hungry. I chose these because I think of all the Christmas carols, this is something that I've been most longing to sing this season. <laughs> but I also appreciate uh, how this relates to some of the points you were drawing out, Mandy, I think particularly about humility and that call um, to get close to the ground, close to the earthiness in ourselves and in other people. Uh, and this, these two songs together really lift up Jesus's choice to do that in the incarnation. So in a moment, I will share my screen. Uh, this video that I'm going to share uh, is this, it was created by Douglas Mennonite Church. Um, and there are, you will see the lyrics to both songs appearing on the screen. Uh, if you would like to have words and music in front of you and you have a copy of Voices Together with you, um, then you can find these two hymns on 267 and 268. Shepherds, God and angels sing. Hey. 
Please join me now in prayer. Oh, gracious God, we come to you now in this Christmas season in a time that uh, often is full of joy and family gathering. And we are appreciative for ways that we have been able to participate in that during these past several days. And at the same time, God, we're aware that there are many of us who have not been able to gather with family. And in many cases, um, that is because of COVID, um, because of testing positive, um, perhaps because of travel restrictions um, or restraints on being able to be physically present. God, it feels like there is a lot of grief and loss this year that we are holding 
intention with joy and celebration. We pray that you would be particularly close to families who are feeling that grief, some of whom we've we've just been naming. God, we ask that you would be with the many healthcare professionals who are continuing to work so hard during this time of such such illness and such anxiety, not only from the COVID pandemic, but also as, as other illnesses and health emergencies keep arising. During this Advent and Christmas season, God, we are so grateful for how you come near to us. We ask that you would strengthen and empower us, clothe us in your grace, in your compassion, in your light. Move through us, Lord, to spread your mercy and grace in the world. We lift up these prayers in your most precious and powerful name. Amen. We're going to close our service with a benediction and then one final song. This benediction uh, has been adapted from the Colossians 3 text that we heard read earlier in the service. Imagine a robe of God's design. Imagine clothing yourself with heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and above all else with love. Love is the seam that binds everything together in harmony. Love is the stitching that binds us together as part of God's family. As you go from here, may you feel this robe of God's design wrapping you tenderly. And for our closing song, uh, we will listen and or sing, those who choose to, Solemn Stillness, Weary Streets. Uh, again, I'm going to be sharing my screen. Uh, this is a video of it um, from the Salford Christmas program in 2020. Uh, in this case, the words are not present in the video itself, but you can find them in the order of service, or if you have voices together, this is number 276.
shepherds in the fields watching in Thank you for joining us for this Christmas Sunday worship.